Welcome to An Amazingly Ordinary Life, the podcast that takes a behind-the-scenes look at the world of special needs. I'm Sherry Tharp, an autism mom and your host. Join me each week as we share our lives, build community, and redefine normal. This is An Amazingly Ordinary Life, Episode 5. Today, I'll be talking with Amanda Smith, an adult who didn't find out that she had Asperger's until the age of 29. Let's just say, growing up was a little rough. Hey, Amanda, thank you for joining us today. I'm excited to hear more about your story. Why don't you start out and just take a minute and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you, your diagnosis, that kind of thing. Hi, my name is Amanda Smith. I'm 38 years old. I live with my boyfriend in an apartment. I was diagnosed when I was 20, I want to say 29. I was 29 when I was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome. Um, I had gone in to try to get uh, approved for social security income or supplemental security income. And the doctor that had done my interview had was the one that diagnosed me. So did you have any idea up until that point that there was anything going on? I knew that I was different, but I didn't re- I didn't know that it was I didn't know that it was Asperger's, but looking back on it now it makes sense because I was always so more socially awkward than other people. I mean, I didn't I didn't pick up on social cues, I didn't pick up on social standings. So did you feel like growing up that maybe you weren't quite in line with the other kids around you? Oh, I knew that. I already, I always knew that. What else stood out to you as far as being different? Just that I just I did I obsessed over different things like other like um, I would obsess over music constantly. I would obsess over just different things that other people my age weren't into. I got made fun of the, I've got made fun fun of for it a lot. You said you obsessed over things and had a hard time picking up on social cues. I didn't pick up on any social, and I still have a hard time with that. So did that make it hard to make friends? I didn't have any friends. It's uh-huh. hard to make. It's hard to make friends. Did your parents notice your behaviors and get concerned or see any red flags? No, they just thought that I was at. I was acting. I was being. I was acting weird for attention. They didn't know anything about it. Yeah, that had to be frustrating. Yeah, it was. It was real frustrating. I have a son who was diagnosed with autism 17 years ago. And at that time, there still wasn't the awareness of autism and Asperger's that we have today. I can imagine that 28, even 25 or 20 years ago, autism wouldn't have been anywhere on their radar. Yeah. How did you make it through school? Were you pretty good at school or was that a struggle? School was a nightmare. School was an absolute nightmare. Um, I didn't understand what the teachers were, t- were telling me. And my, the whole entire time, my parents, went, went, instead of trying to get me help, they would just be like, well, if you just paid attention in school more, you would understand it and you would pick it up. And I mean, I never picked it up. I never picked it up. I never understood around me. And the thing was, was I didn't understand why the people around me would get so mad at me for it. When you're just being you. Yeah. I never understood why they would get mad at me for it. So you made it through high school. I made it through high school. I made it through college. And you made it through college. That's impressive. Well, I did college online and I have an associate's degree in business. 
Congratulations. That's Thank quite an accomplishment. They don't just hand those out. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any certificate or degree in anything, so I totally okay. understand. So you made it through college. Was that just as hard as high school, or was it a little bit easier being able to do school oh. online? College was easier because it was online, mm -hmm. because I tried to go through Ivy Tech, and um, that didn't work out so, so well because I kept having meltdowns in class because and the, the teachers weren't understanding anything. They weren't understanding what I was trying to do. So I decided to just go online, and I went online through um, Indiana Business College. I mean, it's defunct now. The college closed, but... I still went on through Indiana Business College and um, got a associate's degree in business management. Well, good for you. Thank really, you. that's something to be seriously proud of. That's impressive. Thank you. Yeah. So you said that you would have meltdowns in class. Uh -huh. Did this happen through all your school years, or was it more like when you were younger? No, it was all. It was all the way through. Was there certain things that triggered those? Just different. It was like the difficulty of the work, the fact that I didn't understand it. And then the, the people around me, the kids didn't understand it either. They were just like, oh, well, she cries every day. She cries all the time. Don't say anything mean to her because you'll start her crying. It's like more like they made fun of me for it. Yes. I was going to say that just adds more fuel to the fire mm. for kids. In any of that time, did any of the teachers think to go, maybe we should take a look at what's going on? No, because they just, my, because my parents just basically told them, if she's acting up like that, just tell us right away because we'll just, we'll figure it out and we'll straighten it out. Yeah. So it's almost like you were set up to fail to begin with. Yeah, pretty much. That's hard for parents who have no frame of reference for a neurological disorder. If you don't even know that's a possibility, you aren't going to consider that there could be something going on in your child's brain that needs attention. Right. Did that ever cause a lot of tension between you and your parents? Oh, they, well, yeah, a lot, a, a lot. They just pretty much ignored me. They basically just put me on the back burner and put all their energy into my brother. I have a younger brother, and they, they just basically put all their energy into him. Because he was easier. Because he was easier and he wasn't autistic and he, he could do football, he could drive, he could just do everything that I couldn't do. So, Tell me how your family reacted when you got your diagnosis. Did that change anything? No, it didn't really? change anything. They just basically acted like, well, whatever. Do they think that it was just made up? I think so. My mom passed away and I think she... I think that my mom believed me more than my dad did. My mom passed away, unfortunately, in September sorry. 2018. Um, but my dad doesn't think my dad doesn't think anything of it. He thinks it's just made up. I mean, if you were to talk to him and ask him about me, he would say there's absolutely nothing wrong with me. I mean, his whole thing is he wants a perfect family. Yeah. Well, there's actually no such thing as a perfect family, but he may not realize that. Yeah. Does that strain that relationship? I mean, are you still... We don't have a relationship. I would see how that would be really difficult. Right. We don't have a relationship, and maybe it's better that way. Sometimes you just have to make sure you surround yourself with people who support you and love you and yep. help you. So you made it through college. You got through I high did. school. You made it through college online. And then what did you do after you left college? 
Well, I'm, st- I'm currently I'm looking for a job. I was my last job. I was a housekeeper. I didn't really like the job. I didn't like it. Wasn't the people and it wasn't the place that I worked. I just didn't like the job itself. So I'm currently trying to look for an office job something that I can use my degree at. So did you learn to drive? No, I can't drive. Okay, my son at drive. this point. There's that's not on our future right now. <laughs> yeah, it's like. Well, I don't think that I could, I don't think I could ever drive. My anxiety is too bad. That's his problem as well. There's just too many things to concentrate on and he can be in control of himself, but nothing else. Tell him not to feel bad about it. No, he's okay with it. We've kind of made a joke out of it that he'll have a chauffeur for life and be living the high life. (laughs) Yeah. Well, another thing is you can, do you guys live around where there's buses? You can teach them how to use the bus system. Yes. We have a really good public transportation system where I'm at. So Mm -hmm. that's something that we're going to help him with. That way, help him with it. That way he can be more independent. Yeah, exactly. You definitely had some struggles. Have you ever had any therapy or help or assistance in that regard as far as dealing with Asperger's? I'm actually in therapy. I have a really good therapist. He's been helping me with social cues and how to get along with people. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm not on the spectrum, although I look at my kid and I think he's just me magnified. He has all my quirks just bigger, Uh, but I still, social cues are tricky, even for those who are out there in it every day and social social cues are terrible they are facial expressions are terrible too and you know on the one hand it's nice that we have this internet and facebook and all this way to communicate socially because we can connect across the country and things like that right but that's even harder to read and harder to interpret because there's no like sarcasm font or anything like that so that makes it even harder was there ever a point that you just felt like life was really overwhelming or oh, yeah. a, like a low point. Tell me about that. Oh, yeah. I, I've, I've had suicidal tendencies. You have. Mm-hmm. And they get, it gets really hard. Sometimes it's like, sometimes it feels like, it feels like it would be better off if I wasn't here. But then I look at everything that I've got and how far I've come. And how far I've got to go. And that just keeps me going. Oh, I'm happy to hear that. I know we don't know each other well, but I can tell you right now, you are needed here. The fact that you're here and sharing your story with others is precious. You are an amazing success story to be able to get past all the obstacles you had, not even knowing that your brain was wired differently and working against you and with no support is so impressive. I hope you can be proud of that and know that you are valuable. Right. What are some of the things that bring you down to those dark points? Stuff that's overwhelming, stress, like high high amounts of stress. Mm -hmm. There's just a, a lot of different things. So is that something that you talk about with your therapist? Is that something he's helping you with? Good. Do you find that it's a lot easier just to stay home? in your comfort zone? Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's just like, I got to get out of the house. Yeah. So you do make sure that you get out. Oh, yeah. And I would imagine that you have a supportive fiance who is there. Oh, yeah. I can do it without him. Good. I'm glad you found your person. Thank you. How did you guys meet? We met in high school. He's actually... Really? Yeah, who's actually my very first boyfriend. 
And we have a really weird story because um, after high school, we, we had a falling out and we broke up. Well, 10 years later, he found me on Facebook and sent me a friend request, and we've been together ever since. Oh, that's so sweet. So the new, so the joke, running joke is we've known each other for 20 years. <laughs> well, you have. Yeah. So is he neurotypical? No. Wait, okay. Wait, 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 wait. What do you mean neurotypical? Like he doesn't have, he's not on the spectrum. Right. He's not on the spectrum at okay. all, no. Nice. So you've got a partner to kind of bridge that gap between yep. where you're at and right. where society is. Right. Well, good for you. After you were diagnosed and you learned, yes, your brain is connected differently than a neurotypical person's, did that change how you felt about yourself and what was going on in your life? Well, I always, I always want to strive to be exactly like everybody else. But if I'm looking at it now, I wouldn't trade it. Yeah. Because I'm, teach, I'm learning the people that, the people that used to make fun of me and the people that used to try to be, bring me down. I mean, now they've grown up and some of them have kids that are on the spectrum and some of them have kids that have problems. Yes. And now I'm just sitting there thinking, it's kind of funny. And I know I'm going to probably sound really mean for saying this, but I'm probably thinking, they're probably thinking, it's, I'm thinking it's kind of funny that you spent all this time and st effort making fun of me instead of getting to know me. And now here you are in the sa almost the same position I was in. It's funny how that works out, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It just goes to show you really, really need to be careful on how you're treating people because you just don't know right. when it's going to come around and you're going to be in that same position. Right. Besides the fact that it's just mean. Tell me what your life looks like now. You said you're looking for a job. I am. That's good. If anybody out there knows of anything, give me a, <laughs> me an email. Give me a call. Okay. Do you and your fiance live together? Do you live on your own? No, we live together. I lived on my own for about eight years before I, we moved in together. So you were able to manage that all by yourself? Yeah, I am able to live on my own. I am able to pay my own bills. This is so encouraging to me because especially when my son was younger, I'd look at him and all that he was up against and how much he struggled and all his delays. And it was hard to envision a future where he could accomplish the things you have. It's good to be reminded that for some of our kids, an independent future is not outside the realm of possibility, that it's something we can hope for. I mean, there's apartment based, there's income based apartments out there for people that are disabled. There's ways that you can set your bills up to where they can get pulled out of your bank account at certain times, like when they're due. Yeah. I mean, there are ways, there are ways that you can let those disabled pe person can live on them on their own. So you said that when you went in for social security is what it was, right? Okay. So are you on social security now? You were able to get that I am. for disability. Yes, I am. Mm -hmm. Some of my listeners are adults and teens also dealing with special needs, whether it's autism or down syndrome or whatever it is. If you could say something to them to encourage them or give them advice, what would you like to say? Don't give up. I know it seems hard sometimes, but don't give up. Keep trying and keep pushing through because in the end, it will be worth it. I mean, you can, you can do anything that you put your mind to. That's so good. Your normal yes. might look different than everybody else's normal, but that's okay too. Yes, that's it. That's what I want to get across too with this is that people 
they'll call their kids, oh, well, our family is normal. Our kids are normal. But when you're coming at it from special needs, our normal is just different. It's not less. It's just different. Our normal deals with social cues and social stories and going to speech therapy or going to occupational therapy. That's what normal is for us. Right. So I totally agree with you that it's just, we have a different normal. It's a different normal. I mean, the normal, your normal might not look like somebody else's normal, but that's okay. Because you do not like the other person. Exactly. The world would be boring and it takes all kinds to make the world go around. It does. It does. Preach it, sister. I have one more question for you. As someone who struggled growing up with parents and family who weren't supportive, I'd like you to speak to the parents of special needs children. What would you like to tell them about your experience or what you wish your parents could have done differently? What would you like to say to the parents that are listening? Well, my parents never felt sorry for me. And I mean, I'm glad that they didn't because I know a lot, I know of a lot of parents that do. They feel sorry for their kids. I would honestly, I would say to the parents that they need to, tre- I mean, treat your kids, don't exceed their limitations. I mean, they're going, I mean, they can do anything that they put their mind to. But at the same time, if they say they can't do something and you, they've tried it several times and they can't do it, don't try to make them do it just so you can brag on them. That makes sense, yeah. Don't put all that pressure on them. Right. Don't put too much pressure on them because they're learning it, you're learning it, and that's what you need. I mean, they don't need all the pressure. Yeah. Just to be supportive on what they can do. Actually, before we finish up here, I noticed something back behind you I want to look at. It looks like a blue bear, and that's a white puzzle piece on its chest. I've heard some debate on whether or not the puzzle piece is offensive to those with autism. Apparently, some people feel like it's indicating that you're not a whole person. Right. Have you heard that? Where do you stand on that? The way I look at it is, it's just a symbol. It's just like a teal ribbon or... Um, what's, what's another one? It's just like the cancer ribbons or any other thing that would be a symbol. So it's just like, it's like, it's just like a a symbol to me. It's not like, it doesn't state that I'm a whole person, not a whole person. That's what I've always thought. I always saw the puzzle piece as being the missing piece in figuring out what triggers autism. I've heard that because there is such a wide spectrum and it presents itself in so many different ways in so many different people that it's harder to do blind testing to really narrow things down and get to the root cause. I mean, I know they've identified a gene, but beyond that, as far as what triggers that. So I've always pictured it as a symbol that it hasn't all been figured out yet. The autism, not the person. So I was really surprised when I heard that there was this backlash against it. So. Right. My son, personally, he doesn't care one way or the other, but it makes me nervous to use it in anything because I don't want to offend the very people I'm trying to support. I like your thing that you've got now, the the dandelion. So the dandelion actually came about through my blog and my logo there. And on my blog, I don't only blog about special needs. The main theme of my blog is dealing with all the garbage and all the hard things and all the just junk that life piles on you and how to get through that and still have a positive attitude and how do you still seek joy and and find good things in life. And so I chose the dandelion because when you're a kid, 
dandelions are so much fun. We always grew up calling them wish flowers. So you'd find some, you'd go run out in the field, you'd grab the flowers and you'd blow them. All those seeds everywhere and you'd make a wish and they were tons of fun. And then somewhere along the line, as you get older, you grow up and you decide those aren't fun wish flowers anymore. Now they're just weeds that are invasive and you need to get rid of them and pull them out completely and you don't want to have anything to do with them. So the idea behind the dandelion is when you look at things, are you going to focus on the positive? Are you going to look at it as wishes or are you going to look at the negative? Are you going to look at them as weeds? So to me, that kind of carried over to the podcast really well. So uh, Amanda, thank you so much for being willing to share with me and being willing to put this out on the podcast. Anytime. I don't think there are enough people who have the perspective of actually having special needs themselves, who've been given the opportunity to share. I think it's so important for families of children with special needs to hear stories like yours and know that for some of them, a measure of independence is something they can look forward to for their children. It's so. not unheard of for disabled people to do the same things normal people do. Exactly. Just do it. It's just a little bit slower. We just do it a little bit slower than everybody else. Well, thank you, Amanda, and I wish you all the best, and we thank you again thank for sharing. You. Oh, you're welcome. I'd like to thank everyone for listening today. You can find all the links and show notes for today's episode at anamazinglyordinarylife.com slash episode five. If you enjoyed the show, as always, I would love it if you left a review, and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. And of course, I'd love to hear your story. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, contact me at anamazinglyordinarylife.com. And don't miss next week's episode where we'll be talking with Berglin Budvarstadter, an Icelandic woman whose family tree was investigated due to all the instances of special needs present. It's an unbelievable story, and I hope you'll join me then. <laughs>